amen and amen. Thank you, Lord, for your unfailing love toward your people. If you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll make a home. The one thing I forgot to mention earlier, if you look over here to uh, my left, your right, you will see there uh, what we called at Vacation Bible School our God Sightings Wall. Uh, and that was something every single evening the children would share ways that they had seen God moving in their lives and their families and at VBS. And we would write those down and put them up there on the God sighting wall. So I want to encourage you to, to maybe come over and check that out after the service, not during the message. Uh, but perhaps after the service uh, to come and check that out and just just smile and think about all the good things God did this week. We wanted to leave that up uh, so that you could see that today. Uh, well, we are in this series that we are calling Seek, and we're talking all about what it means for us to seek Jesus and to live for him. And I'm going to date myself a little bit for some of you and uh, for, for some of you others. It's just one of those weird in-between genres where a lot of you may know, but many of you may not know. But in May of 1987, which by the way, I was one year old at that point. So some of y'all feel old and some of y'all think I'm old. So there you go. So that's just right there in the middle. Uh, the, the band U2 put out a song, part of their Joshua Tree album, really one of their penultimate albums, and the song was called Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And in that song, Bono, the songwriter, just said in interviews that this song is written about doubt. And as he writes in this song, he proclaims that he has climbed highest mountains, that he has run through the fields, that he has experienced all the things that you could try to experience. He's experienced love. He's experienced all of these different things. But the constant refrain of the song is, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Do you ever feel like that in your life? That, that you're always looking for something to satisfy you? That you're always seeking but never finding? I think the popularity and staying power of a song like that speaks to this longing that we all tend to share. You know, the reality is we live in a culture that doesn't know what it's looking for. And that's a problem. And here's why that's a problem. I want us to see and understand today that your life is defined by what you seek. Your life is defined in a very real way by what you seek. So, so let's just talk about how that works itself out. Perhaps today uh, you, as a kid, maybe you remember this, and maybe some of you teenagers in the room now would say, I want to be an athlete. Like, I want to be great at fill-in-the-blank sports. So your life, if you're seeking that, your life tends to revolve around that. You're going to practice, you're going to work, you're going to eat, sleep, and drink basketball or baseball or whatever it may be for you. Or perhaps you want to be a great musician. So in pursuit of being a great musician, you're going to spend a lot of time, effort, energy, even money on trying to get better at that. I know for me, I spend a lot of time, effort, and energy trying to be a better preacher. Some of you are like, keep working, brother. It's all right. Uh, but I, I can just tell you right now, like if I'm at home, I'm watching YouTube videos. If I'm reading a book, you can just ask my wife. Most of the time, it's going to be something about the art and craft of preaching and teaching God's word. I, I want to be excellent at that. But here's the thing that we need to understand. If we're not careful, all of our pursuits end up getting us to a place where we all declare with Bono, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
And it's because all of these pursuits, all of these things we're seeking shape our lives and ultimately we will not be satisfied as we said last week until we are satisfied in Christ. There's this wild verse that happens in Acts chapter 4. I've always loved it. I share it with you pretty regularly. That the early apostles were being persecuted. They'd been drugged in front of religious officials and political officials. And they basically said, hey, you guys need to stop doing what you're doing. You're too bold. You're too crazy. You need to stop it. And here's what these guys said about the apostles after the apostles had left. They said, these are uneducated, 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 all right. Ordinary dudes, but here's what they said, but they have been with Jesus. So notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, man, those guys can preach. These guys are healing people. People being healed everywhere. It's incredible. No, what they said about them, the defining characteristic of their lives was they had been with Jesus. Why? Friends, because what you seek ends up defining your life. So this morning, I want us to consider if we are pursuing Jesus, if we're seeking Jesus, because if we do, friends, that will change everything. I want us to read a lengthy text, and I'm just warning you now, we're reading 17 verses, uh, but I want to just tell you something. This is the most important part of our message every single Sunday. When we read the very words of God, like the words are rusty, you can just take them or leave them, right? But the word of God when we, re- we say this, if you want to hear God's voice, read the Bible out loud. So that's what we're about to do. So may we just dig in. Don't just think, how long is he going to read before he starts talking again? No, this is why we're here. All right? So let's listen in to the word of God. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand his word. God, we come to you now asking you to do what only you can do, and that is speak through your word. Lord, we want to hear your truth. We want to hear your voice in an unmistakable way. Lord, we don't want to just be smarter when we leave here. We don't want to just know more knowledge about the Bible, but we want to leave this place saying it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. God spoke to me through his word. So Lord, by your Holy Spirit, do exactly that today. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to tell you with 17 verses, some of you are thinking, my goodness, we're going to be here for, you know, two or three years, and that's fine. Uh, just all I'll say is I hope you have your lunch in a crock pot today. It's going to be all right. Uh, but we're going to go through this pretty quick, and I want to tell you that if there are some things in here that you say, well, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? Uh, last year, we walked through Colossians verse by verse. So if you go to crossroad.live and go to our sermon archives, you can find, I believe it took us four or five messages to get through the text I just read. So today will certainly be kind of a 30,000-foot view, but I think it's really important for us to see what's happening here in kind of a big-picture way as we think about what it means to seek Jesus. And the first thing I want us to consider is this reality of being raised with Christ. Being raised with Christ. Now, I want you to notice in verse 1 what I'm calling a big if. In fact, this might be the most important question you ever answer in your entire life. And the question is this Have you been raised with Christ? Now listen to me, church. I know what happens when we are good church people in the church. You've heard the gospel so many times. You know the truth of the gospel. You could repeat it right now, maybe even more succinctly and better than I can right now. But I want to just warn you of the danger of assuming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you had a moment in your life when you have been raised with him? Here's how this text describes the gospel of Jesus Christ. You died. That's pretty strong, isn't it? It doesn't say, well, I got to a place in my life where I realized that, you know, I just wasn't being good and was making some bad choices. So then I turned to Jesus and got better. Some of you are like, well, he's telling my story. You may not know Jesus then. Because when I tell you what happens when you come to know Christ... Verse 3 said, for you died. This is the message of the gospel, that if you are saved today, it is because you have been raised by Christ. Well, why did you die? What's going on? What, what does this mean? Well, here's the reality of the gospel. The Bible says that every single one of us, no matter who we are, what we've done, how good we think we are, the Bible says that all of us have sinned, and because of our sin, we are separated from God. And no matter how good we try to be, how much effort we put into trying to be good, religious, whatever you want to do, fill in the blank, no matter what you do, you cannot make yourself right with God. And if by some stretch you may find yourself today thinking, well, I think I've done a pretty good job. Congratulations, you're dealing with the sin of pride, and you've also lied to yourself, convincing yourself that you're good enough to be right with God. So you're a liar and you're prideful. So congratulations, you're right here with the rest of us sinners. So at the end of the day, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is a massive problem for us. And if that was the end of the story, church should not be a thing. But humans are, are jerks, and we would probably find a way to try to make in guilt and manipulate you into trying to give money to be right. But then we'd call it some other big massive church institutions that would get me a lot of emails, so I'm not going to say that. 
But here's what I want to tell you today. Salvation is available not through your effort, not through your own strength, not through your own work, but because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Because God loved us, he sent his one and only son. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, never sinned, yet he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and my sins. Here's what I want to ask you, church family. Have you had a moment where that story became your story? Have you died and been raised with Christ? This is huge, isn't it? This language that Paul is using here is echoed in other parts of Scripture. In Romans 6, 5, he says, If we have died with Christ, then we shall certainly be resurrected as Christ has been resurrected. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, literally a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I want to ask you, have you just gotten better or did you die and be recreated in Christ? Because if you feel like you've just gotten better and more religious over the years, that will not save you. Oh, but for those who will come and die, who will lay down their lives to King Jesus, He recreates us and we are raised with Christ. Oh, I hope you know Him today. And if you don't, don't leave this place without knowing Him. Don't assume the gospel, friends. Right now, some of you may be thinking, well, I mean, I've been in church way too long to, to have that kind of moment today. Oh, that you, the enemy right now is sowing seeds in your heart to say, oh no, he's not talking about you. Girl, you've been in church since you were eight. Hey man, you're in leadership. It, surely it's not talking about you. But if you are saying right now and you know in your heart you've never been raised with Christ, you haven't died and been recreated by Him, do not ignore that, brothers and sisters. This is a big if that we need to know the answers for today. And the answer is Jesus. So two commands follow this big if. If you've been raised in Christ. In fact, the NIV will translate verse 1 since you have been raised with Christ. So really, in the text, in the Greek language, Paul is saying because you are in Christ... Here's what you need to do. Two commands. First, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. Now, I need you to understand, this is not just generic spiritual talk. Like, just look up and seek the spiritual things in like this vague ethereal language. That's used a lot in our culture today. But Paul doesn't just stop there. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. If you've been raised with Christ, church, the call is to seek Jesus. I love the NIV translates this, set your hearts on Him. This is really talking about your affections. We're going to talk about the mind in just a moment, but right now Paul is trying to show us that we need our hearts to be set on Him. Where's your treasure today, friends? We're going to talk more about what Jesus says about the treasure next week, but what He says uh, that you probably have heard before is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What did we say earlier? What you seek defines your life. Where's your heart today? What is it that you treasure? And the reality is, is what you treasure, that's what you seek. 
the thing you treasure more than anything else, that's what your life tends to be about seeking, and then it shapes your life in incredible ways. What you seek shapes your life. So if you have been raised with Christ, the call is to seek Jesus. Stop pursuing all of these other things that end up leaving you empty. Last week in Haggai, we talked about the bag full of holes that all of us are shoving stuff in, trying to satisfy our hearts, but we are chronically discontent and dissatisfied because none of those things will fill us. We are wired to set our hearts on Jesus. But not only do we seek the things that are above by setting our hearts on Him, the text directly says, set your minds on things that are above. So this isn't just a a heart, feely, emotional kind of vibe, but we are called to set our minds upon Jesus as well. This language is talking about what it is that you think about. Do you ever think about what you think about? And then, you know, you've heard me make this joke before. If you're like me, the classic overthinker, you think about the things you think about the things, and then, all right, it just goes into this cycle. But really what Paul is asking here is, what is the inner disposition of your life? What's the inner disposition of your life? Oh, brothers and sisters, haven't you seen how that inner disposition tends to change the way you live on the outside? You know when you have a bad day from the start and nothing makes it better? And you try. I mean, you're the pastor. I'm sorry, I'm getting to testimony time again, right? Ooh, it's rough when you have a bad Sunday morning, whether it be home or whatever. You come up here, nothing works right. We've had those days. You've seen me in that mode. You got to come up here and be like, everything's great. Right? Yeah, jazz hands. I don't know why. Apparently, that's what you require of me on Sunday mornings. (laughs) Jazz hands. (laughs) Some of you are like, please never do that again. So uh, it's fine go our whole rest of our lives without seeing that and that's that's understandable but no matter how hard you try to fake it on the outside that inner disposition has a way of changing the way you live and interact on the outside what is it that consumes you what is it that you think about if i'm honest today i think my inner disposition is often set on worldly things that's why i'm frustrated On those days that I'm talking about, it's because something's not going right. Equipment's malfunctioning, or things didn't work, or, you know, things weren't the way that I thought they were going to be. And and when money problems happen, maybe it's stuff in your life, maybe it's relationships that aren't going well, all of these things, and, and when they start not working the way we expect them to work, it changes our inner disposition. And if your mind is set on those worldly things, it's going to change your inner disposition, and it's going to change your outward actions, isn't it? Paul says, set your mind on Christ instead. Now, here's what I need you to understand. A lot of these things I'm mentioning are real things that we actually have to deal with, okay? So some, you, this is not a call for you to move up into a convent on the mountain and just become a mountain man and not deal with the real world anymore. Jesus actually calls us to engage with our culture. If you decide, like, listen, I'm just going to set my mind on heaven instead of earthly things, so I don't care about my mortgage anymore, you're going to be more like Jesus, specifically in the area of homelessness, all right? (laughs) But this is not what the text is calling us to. 
Rather, this text is inviting us as the people of God to set our hearts and minds on Him in such a way that our inner disposition has changed. The things we think about are changed. When we set our minds on Him in a simple but powerful and noticeable way, our perspective and our inner disposition ought to look different than that of the rest of the world around us. As we go about our lives, we look differently than the world. This is one of the ways God has created us to shine bright in the world. It's because we have a different inner disposition than everybody else. We have different values. We have different goals. We have different lifestyles in the world, different ambitions. Everything we think, act, feel, and do runs through this filter of our inner disposition, and that comes from seeking Jesus. Everything in our life starts there. So if you know Jesus, if you are saved, and if your heart is set on Him, and then if your mind is set on Him, what should that end up doing to your life? Well, the text is going to say that it radically changes the way you and I live. Everything changes. In verses 5 through 11, we see a call to put to death sin. That's some strong language, isn't it? Put it to death. It doesn't say, you should really consider the sin in your life and maybe... No, put it to death. Guys, in a culture, in a world that tolerates and coddles sin, you and I must not be guilty of not taking sin seriously. Sin led our Savior to a bloody death on a cross in our place. And because of that, you and I have been set free from sin. And even free from the guilt and shame of sin because of what Christ did on the cross. But what Romans is going to say in Romans 6 is like, okay, so since we've been forgiven, does that mean we run back to our sin? Oh, that's foolish. Proverbs says like a dog returning to its vomit. You're welcome. Happy Father's Day. Everybody leaves. We've got some dog vomit for you. It's a... Uh, you know how men work. They're going to be like, smell this. It's awful. <laughs> but honestly, some of us tolerate and accept sin in ways that really hinder us from putting to death the sin that's in our lives. Why? It's because it's flesh we have. We still tend to do this. But I've said to you before, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 that Satan is like a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. But our culture has convinced us that it's not a deadly lion, but it's a cute little kitten that we can entertain and keep around. But I want to tell you, it may look cute, it may seem innocent, it may seem fine, but it's going to eat you. It's going to destroy you. So I don't know where that is for you. Can I just poke a couple areas that, that will maybe hurt a little bit? The things you listen to, the things you watch, the books you read uh, it's, just a, it's just a little bit it's just a little bit of sin that I'm tolerating and finding entertainment in I mean every show you watch now is going to have a little bit of that can I just introduce a radical idea to you stop watching the shows <laughs> some of you are like oh we're going to get quiet now so <laughs> but when we tolerate sin again we wonder why young families today are struggling with sexual immorality like nobody's business 
when every single TV show and movie that we watch and even have watched with our children over the years, they were PG-13. There wasn't anything too bad in it. When the storyline was about a, a family that's married, but they weren't really in love. So this really cool guy or gal comes into the picture and it lends happily ever after with everybody doing better and a marriage split apart. I just described about half of the romantic comedies from the last 20 years. Some that you've got on DVD sitting in your house right now. We were going to watch that today for Father's Day. Quit it. <laughs> Quit it. And then you're going to wonder why your kid blows apart their marriage in 15 years. And they're going to say, Mom, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't really being fulfilled. Well, where'd you learn that from? I don't know. The hours of that junk you put into their lives over the years? Dad gum, this wasn't in my notes, and I've done upset some of you. Let's not tolerate sin, friends. Because it takes root in our hearts in little ways, and it may start out small, but it will kill you. It will kill you. If we're seeking Jesus, we should see sin being put to death in our life. Are there things right now that you are actively putting away in your life? If you're seeking Jesus, here's what I want to say to you. There should be some areas of your life right now that, that if we had a discipleship relationship and I said, what area is the Lord pruning in your life right now? What, what are you trying to put away in your life? You should be able to answer that question. And if you don't have an area of your life that, that you're not trying to put away sin, that, then you need to consider today asking the Lord what area of your lives you need to prune call to put away sin also we see in the text in verses 12 through 15 a call to put on christ verses 12 through 14 man there's quite a list here isn't it put on compassion kindness humility gentleness patience bear with one another forgive one another verse 14 put on love put on unity and peace all of these words and i just got to say which of these lists that we've read this morning describes you is anyone else concerned that it's that first list that I see more of myself in than the second one? The cause to put away these things and put on Christ. If you're seeking Jesus, these traits become part of your life. As you're walking with Him, He gives you compassion. As you're walking with Him, He gives you kindness and humility. The fruit of the Spirit naturally start to develop in your life when you're walking with Jesus. This language here of putting off the old self and putting on the new self in the Greek language, it's the language we would use to talk about changing clothes. So if I've got, you know, like a nasty, sweaty, gross shirt after a week of vacation Bible school, right? So it's all right. Some of y'all didn't wash it all week either. We're fine. And you take that thing off and you put it away. That's the language of putting away, casting away an old filthy garment and then putting on a new garment putting on the fresh, clean clothes. I love what Isaiah 61.10 says, Praise God, for He has given us a robe of righteousness. You know that's what happened when you got saved, friends? When you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus gave you a whole new wardrobe. You put off the old self, and He put on His robe of perfect righteousness. No matter how sinful you were, and even how you struggle still today, when God looks at you, He sees you as perfect and holy because you are wearing that robe of righteousness. You've got a whole new wardrobe in Christ. But here's the tragedy. So many of us keep going back to the old clothes. 
When I was in middle school, I worked at my parents' hardware store, and part of working at a small-town hardware store is loading feed and things like that for people. And I remember, you know, I grew up in a small town. We didn't even have football. So football was a big deal to me, even though I didn't get to play it. Uh, I played all the sports that if you have a body for football, you shouldn't play. Uh, and I didn't get to play the one sport that I had a body for. So it's fine. Uh, I'm not bitter. Just uh, you hear it in my heart. So my youth pastor had given me a football jersey. So that's a big deal in Spurger. I've got a football jersey now. So I remember wearing that. It's a Saturday. You know, that, that's, that's the day everyone's going to come to the store. I'm working that day, and I've got this, this football jersey on. And i got to tell you, it looks good. It looks good. And I'm there. I'm working, and I'm feeling really good about it. Somebody comes in, and they order 20 sacks of cow manure. Now, you know, there are a couple ways you can go about this. You could pick one bag up at a time carefully and maybe hold it out from your body and gently set it up in the truck bed that's across the parking lot. Or you can do what Junior High Rusty did, and that's grab two at a time, sling them over your shoulder, walk across the parking lot just in case any girls happen to be looking, and, and then tossing them in the truck. So I did option B because I was a middle school boy, and that's what you do. But I go back into the store, and a few minutes later, I'm waiting on a customer, and the customer says, What's that smell? And I'm like, I, I don't know what that smell, I don't know what smell you're talking about. I don't know, man, but it smells bad. And then I realize, it's me, I'm the smell. So I go to the back, and I go to the back, and, and I had an undershirt on, so it was all good. I took off this football jersey because it reeked of cow manure, and I draped it up over a door in the back area of the storage area there at the store, and I went back about my work day. But a couple hours later, I thought to myself, I bet that thing's aired out. So I go back and I put it on, and things are good for a few minutes till we're standing there together up at the front counter, and one of the guys goes, man, what's that smell? Now I gotta tell you, again, middle school boy, but I wish that I would have been smart enough after one time to be like, okay, that's it, I can't wear it. I gotta tell you, two or three more times throughout the day, I thought maybe it's okay to wear this thing again. And as ridiculous as that is, here's what I want to tell you, friends. Many of us spend our lives doing that exact same thing, running back to the old life that we have been called to put away and leave behind, and we know that it stinks, yet we continually run back to it over and over and over again. But Jesus is inviting us to seek him, and as we seek him, he gives us his robe of righteousness. Why would we ever go back to anything else? Here's the glorious promise of this text, and this is why I wanted to read you all 17 verses. Because when you're raised with Christ, when you set your heart and your mind on him, and he's leading you to put away things and put on things of him, here's the glorious climax of this passage. Read with me verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your heart. Does anybody need the peace of Christ to rule your hearts? And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. We're walking together. We're singing songs to one another at the end of that verse. And ultimately, verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is what our life is supposed to look like. When we're saved, 
when our hearts and minds are set on him we live a transformed life that is lived with everything we say everything we do every step we take for the glory of God praising him and declaring who he is good news to others you know the tragedy of the song Bono wrote in May of 1987 is that it even declares the gospel some of you know this song some of you don't but let me just explain to you the last verse of this song here's what Bono says I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors will bleed into one and yes I'm still running and then he even says this you broke the bonds you loosed the chains carried the cross all of my shame all of my shame and he says you know I believe it oh but the tragedy comes when he goes back to that line but I still haven't found what I'm looking for I think there are a lot of us in here today who know the truth of the gospel who know all the theology who know all the things, who none of this has been new information, but if you were honest today, like Bono, you say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What I want to just suggest to you, brother or sister, you're seeking the wrong thing. Jesus today stands and says, come find what you're looking for. Come spend your life investing it in me. You're seeking the wrong things. Today you can know contentment, peace, joy. You can live verses 15 through 17 today if you seek Christ. Because what you seek defines your life. If you're saying today I still haven't found what I'm looking for, I want to tell you it's because you're seeking empty things. But if you seek Jesus today, if you've been raised with Christ and you set your heart and your mind on him and you live a transformed life all for his glory, you will be able to say at the end of the day, oh, I found what I'm looking for. I found it. And it's something the world can never take away. You bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to just, before we pray today, I want to just take a moment to remind you and call you to the reality of salvation if you don't know christ again i want to just implore you do not leave today without knowing him as lord and savior come talk to me during the invitation or after the service let's have a conversation about what it means to know jesus but but so many of you in here today would say "Well, well pastor i know that i know that i know and i thank god for my salvation but if i'm being honest man i keep going back to the old clothes And take a moment today during this time of response to just pray and ask the Lord to help you repent and to go back and to wear the robe of righteousness that he has given you today. Whatever you need to do, I pray that you'll respond to the Lord in this time as he leads you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenges given us. May we respond appropriately and answer the call of scripture. Help us to seek the things that are above where you are thank you that because you died and have been raised that we can die to ourselves and be raised to walk in newness of life I pray that anybody in here who doesn't know that new life today would be the day they experience it and Lord for my friends who do that today would be the day 
that they turn back to you and wear that robe of righteousness. No turning back. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. 